Okay, guys, welcome back to Man Talk Season 6, Episode 2. We really hope you enjoyed the last episode, which is all about self-development, etc. We're excited to be back in the seat again. We're excited to have this, uh, this season now, just in full swing. Just, it's, it's going now. The machine's turning. Um, Oscar, good to see you again, man, as always. Uh, yeah, always standard, even standard, though this. standard. Yeah, standard. Standard. Yeah, it's very early where I am. Very early where I am. Uh, <laughs> kicked up at 5 a.m. Uh, but that's because we love what we do here. We love what we do here. Um, so, so, um, firstly, Oscar, how are you? Are you good? What, nah, bro, bro, I'm good. Overall. I'm good. Um, I thank God we continue to move along. I hope you guys um, mm-hmm. enjoyed the last Mantok episode where we kept it light, we kept it fun, mm. um, and we talked a bit mm. on self-development. Um, today, mm-hmm. um, we are going to discuss a topic that we kind of stumbled upon by accident. You get what I mean? Mm. Because we, mm. we had a lot yeah. of people yeah. have been in our DMs asking us, um, why, why exactly did Eli go back to Kent? Why exactly did Eli mm. go back to the UK um, for the time that he's been back? And, why, and how has that affected us? And Eli, mm. Eli, why have you gone back to the UK? Why have you gone back to Kent? What's the reason? Yeah, so, yes, like you said, this topic comes from uh, our current circumstance. Like, it's, it's literally a matter of fact, and this is why we... Th- it's just escalated through conversations. So, um, to answer the question why I went back uh, to the UK was... Number one of my priorities was actually to come and get the vaccine, which is uh, what we're going to talk about today. Um, and yeah. in that fact, it brought about the question of why is this the case that you've yeah. had to travel? And like we said on the phone, that, all that expense to come here, you know, how is that a situation where I have to travel all those miles to come and get a vaccine? What does that mean on a global scale? What does that mean in a Kenyan context? And let's, should we break it down in a topic? And naturally the answer, because we love conversation, Oscar, was yes. Let's, yeah. let's, let's sort of dive, let's dive deep into the significance of somebody yeah. having to travel to a different, different uh, country to receive the vaccine. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. Um, so mm, guys on set, mm. I asked the team on set, Beryl and mm. Big Man Eric, I asked, has mm. anyone in this room as at this moment been vaccinated? And the answer is no. Mm. And so yeah. the question just became like, why haven't we back vaccinated? Why is vaccination important? Um, what mm. exactly is the global supply chain for vaccination? How exactly does it affect Kenya? And wh- mm. wh- why do you mm. think that um, as- only... I think only 1,000, I think the number as of the shooting of this video, as I turn the page, is 1,386, according to the World Health Organization tracker, have been vaccinated mm. as at the time of the shooting of this video, which is um, the yeah. 5th of June. Um, and mm. the 977,000 people took the first dose. So only mm. 977,000 mm. Kenyans, as per um, mm. the World Health Organization tracker available online, um, have been vaccinated. We are a whopping average the last census, is um, just over 50 million people. So mm, mm, what's mm. going on? What's so the deal? Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. So before we even dive into like, you know, the what's happened with the vaccines and stuff, um, for context, for people who don't know, like we said, the place I've traveled to is the UK. And when we're exploring this topic, you yourself in your professional capacity are a lawyer. So the angle you're taking sort of is the, how is that structured legally? How is that structured in government? Because that's your expertise. Um, for benefit everyone doesn't know as well, I'm a public health graduate, so I'm going to take the public health approach, what that means. And we said this is the first time we've been able to actually go to those places in a Mantok episode, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so we're hoping through our sort of insight and our sort of reading and knowledge, we can create a picture of what's going on. Because like you said, the statistics there, they're, they're stunning. And like you said, everyone in that room hasn't been vaccinated, everyone in this room has. 
So how does that how does that work? Um, so like we said, I think we want to kick it off very elementary and just break down for the benefit of somebody that's just jumped into this video. What is a vaccine? Why is it important? And what's going on? Right. Yeah. So I think let's go. Purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for the purposes of it, I'll take the 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 elementary stuff because it's like you know public health stuff. Um, yeah. It's general knowledge, but like we said, for the benefit of everybody. So yeah. uh, if someone was to ask, you know, they're hearing vaccines, they're hearing, you know, these doses haven't been supplied. What's a vaccine? What's a dose? Right. Um, so to be just to start from the beginning, what a vaccine is, is basically something that trains your immune system to create antibodies, which obviously the next question would now be, what is an antibody? Um, and I'm sure you've been hearing about this all in the different vaccines and the different protein uses. So essentially a vaccine a antibody is a protein that's used by the immune system. Right. And then the protein comes into your immune system. It's a small dose of the disease you're trying to fight. And what it does is it, re it creates a recognition system in your body, which means that when now you're in contact with that um, with that virus or that pathogen, your body now knows how to fight it. And it can create those codes to be able to now fight so you don't get completely sick. Um, so the vaccine that you're putting in your body is essentially a weakened form of the germ or it's uh, it's a completely killed form of the germ. And that offers your body the opportunity to fight. So basically having a small bit of COVID put into you at a safe level. So your body knows next time it interacts with COVID, how to fight it. And uh, that's basically, if we're just summarizing what a vaccine is, that's what it is. Um, so why is a vaccine important, right? Yeah. Um, you've probably heard this term that's sort of thrown around, um, which is like herd immunity. So the reason they're saying that the world needs to be vaccinated, the reason your stat is shocking about the small amount is because with a vaccine, the very basic idea is that now if everybody has a vaccine, it creates something called herd immunity, which essentially means that a large portion of the community, the herd, becomes immune to the disease. And that now reduces the spread because you're not going to be transmitting those diseases. Right. And yeah. um, I don't know if you said this stat already uh, from WHO, but like if we wanted to basically beat COVID, it needs to be 70 percent of the world vaccinated to create a global herd immunity because it's a global community especially with the kind of globalization we've had at the moment yeah. with everybody traveling so that's the that's the bite size i've really tried to break it down that's the bite size what's a vaccine and why everyone's talking about we need doses essentially yeah. to make us safe everyone needs to have a small bit so of so the so the so, so the entire premise of having vaccination is to create herd immunity is that what you're saying that that's the underlying premise for vaccination that if you don't underlying. achieve herd immunity then essentially vaccination mm. becomes a, an endeavor that is significantly less important yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, okay. Basically, yeah. So, but we're going to go into it more detailed. But herd immunity, there's different. That's now the health aspect, um, and we've mentioned the word globalization, um, which basically means you know everybody interconnecting, right? So with herd immunity, that can work. Yes, in a, a a town setting, it can work in a city setting, a country setting, and a global setting, right? Um, uh. Now another branch of that is with herd immunity that also affects economics it affects global trade it affects you know the globe as 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 a whole if certain parts um aren't, aren't uh, vaccinated and that creates things like mutations but we're going to get into all of that stuff later but um that's the first two questions what's a vaccine why is it important why is everyone trying to get it yeah um, that's, okay yeah yeah. Could, could mm. we, now that you've told us the importance of um, vaccination and uh, basically the herd immunity concept, um, where exactly does COVID-19 and kind of what, what's happening with COVID-19 and the timelines that are there 
um, how exactly does that affect the effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccination? And what, what's the premise to like why we all need to understand COVID-19 vaccination, basically? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why you need to understand or receive, would you say? Why we need to understand it as in individuals? Or why do we need to receive as individuals the vaccine? Yeah, why why is it obviously you've gone through um, you've explained to us mm. what COVID nineteen what the COVID nineteen um, not COVID nineteen so you've explained to us what mm. vaccination, vaccination. Um, essentially is and the kind mm. of the rationale behind why vaccination is important. So the question I have mm. to give back to you just to throw it back to you is um, how does COVID nineteen relate to the question of immune um, uh, vaccination? Why is it important that, mm. um, where does the coronavirus come in play when it comes to <coughs> vaccination? Um, can okay. you relate those okay. two things? Okay, yeah. so COVID, COVID-19, as we all know, on a basic level, is um, a disease that has been basically plague, plague in the world, right? So when you have something like that, which is what we're calling an epidemic, so it's obviously started as an endemic in, in China as we've come to know it, uh, that basically means that it's sort of a localised disease, right? Then it's spread yeah, through the globalization that we've mentioned, okay. um, which okay. means that in the twenty in twenty twenty one everyone takes flights, everyone goes to different okay. places. Naturally, through that, it means that transmissions of that are higher, right? So it means that because we're globalized, it goes from endemic, which is local, to now pandemic, which is now pan around the world. Um, so there's so, so it's endemic. Just a, mm-hmm. just a second, just a second, mm-hmm. just not to not to push you, endemic. Mm-hmm. Epidemic, yeah. pandemic. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So basically, it's a it's a disease that of that's found in a, an endemic. It's a disease found in a particular or certain area. It's a particular or certain area, right? Yeah, yeah. And then a pandemic is like when we talk when we say Pan Africa, we talk about you know, um, just the word Pan basically means it's now across across the board. And then an epidemic is essentially when it's reached a certain level of crisis. Is when okay. you call it now an epidemic. Yeah. Great. So those, I are, think, those are yeah. basic. Those are basic, t- basic terminologies that we can. Um, yeah. So epidemic also refers to the timeline as well, because you can have a widespread um, like loneliness or depression, but it's not an epidemic until it's like you know in a particular amount of time in a community. Uh, but so, so we we saw the spread very quickly. So we're like, okay, now we're in an epidemic because it's it's also referring to a time frame. Okay. Um. So yeah, yeah. So I hope so, that gives now a nice picture. Um. Uh, the final terminology we've here we've heard flown around. I hope everyone knows what this is, but it's obviously the World Health Organization, right? So everyone's like, okay, it's kind of self-explanatory in the title, but like we say, we want to break down everything before we now dive into the topic. Uh, basically, the World Health Organization is the agency of the UN, which tackles anything to do with health on a global scale. So it provides leadership, you know, research agenda. It sets yeah. standards that everyone has to abide by, and yeah. that's why they're fundamental in the fight against. COVID because everything's going to be informed through through that body and that agency. The so World Health Organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to be yeah. referring okay. to them a lot, um, but that's that's what that is. Um, yeah. So we're going to get. I think you wanted to talk about um, uh, so, the three pillars. So of so a, of a certain. So thing. basically, okay. when when we are when we are thinking about. So let's now talk about. Um, the global supply mm. chain when it comes to vaccination because one of the big things that you're mm. going to understand especially when it comes to when you do the research is that you're going to find that there are certain parties that play a very very critical role in ensuring that you as an individual get vaccinated mm. um so mm. <clears throat> like eli said the first the first the first name that you need to care about as an as a kenyan is the world health organization because this is basically the un structure 
where health and medical um, uh, healthcare affairs are run on a global scale. Mm. So the World okay. Health Organization has um, a lot of responsibility when it comes to um, how um, what 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 will happen when it comes to crisis situations like what we've had with the coronavirus pandemic, and it's very very important mm. that um, they are basically the um, starting point for any um, health emergencies throughout the world. So, like Eli has pointed mm -hmm. out, the World Health Organization is one of the key parties um, in the drama, the great drama of mm. the coronavirus pandemic. Mm. Another mm. <coughs> very, very interesting, um, uh, a very, very interesting uh, party in the entire affair is ACTA, which is the Access to COVID-19 um, Tools Accelerator. Um, mm -hmm. I have my notes. <laughs> so, yeah, mm -hmm. so basically, so it's known as a global collaboration to accelerate the development, production, and equitable access to new COVID-19 diagnostics, therapeutics, and vaccines. So that's ACTA. Mm -hmm. um, so it's essentially a G20 initiative. For those who don't know what G20 is, these are the 20 largest um, states, 20 largest and most powerful states in the United Nations, um, where they, through Mohammed al-Saddan, I hope I've pronounced that right, um, on 24th of April 2020, announced the, the Global Collaboration Initiative. Um, so what that initiative essentially is, is it's a cross-discipline. So this is basically um, an initiative that gathers expertise from across various healthcare areas, um, various professions and various, um, for example, lawyers, um, pharmacists, uh, Medicare, public health professionals like Eli. All these people have been put together in a support structure to enable partners to share resources and knowledge. So um, that's the reasoning behind it. So basically when the coronavirus pandemic um, spread throughout the world, the um, spread throughout the world, um, there was a need for government intervention and multilateral intervention so as to ensure that um, human, like basically the human race can survive this entire um, ordeal. So as you can see, this is one of those moments in history where humanity itself is tested. Because that's essentially what um, a pandemic is. Yeah. Humanity itself mm. is tested by this. So basically, <coughs> those, so those, um, so ACTA basically is based on four pillars. The first one is vaccination. So vaccination um, is one of the pillars and it's run by, it's run as COVAX. And COVAX is yeah. run by Gavi, what the collaborating partners who um, are in charge of that specific aspect of the initiative is um, Gavi, which I will explain and CEPI, which is another institution I will explain shortly. And then they also have Diagnostics, which is run by other collaborating partners, Therapeutics, and Health Systems Connectors. So health is, the, all these four pillars are what make up ACTA. Um, of course, for this specific episode, we are going to focus on um, COVAX, which is a very, very essential, um, very, very essential mm. provider. I'm sure all of you guys have had the Ministry of Health, especially if you're Kenyan, saying that we are getting um, a lot of our vaccines through the COVAX facility. We'll be getting into what exactly the COVAX facility is and how essentially yeah, yeah. it's been helping us as, um, as Kenyans. So, <clears throat> so that's, that's what one. ACTA is, basically. It's, it's the initiative that caused there to be COVAX, which is run by Gavi and Sepi. Um, if you get confused, raise your hand. <laughs> and, and inbox us. We, even we found this um, research a bit involving. So, um, so let's now talk about Gavi, um, because Gavi is a very, very essential part. Remember, guys, um, COVAX is essentially a worldwide initiative. So basically, when you look at ACTA, there are four pillars. Let's start from there. When you look at ACTA, there are four pillars. What are these pillars? Vaccination, 
diagnostics, therapeutics, and health systems connector. The one we need to focus on when it comes to understanding vaccination is COVAX. So what is COVAX? Everybody talks about um, COVAX. So COVAX stands for COVID-19 COVID Vaccines Global Access. So what that is, is it's a worldwide initiative aimed at equitable access to COVID-19 vaccines directed by Gavi, the, 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 the Vaccine Alliance, and the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, which is CEFI, as well as the World, Healthcare the World Health Organization, WHO. So when you're looking at COVAX, what essentially we're talking about is Gavi, CEPI, and the activities of the WHO around equitable access to COVID-19 vaccines. And equitable access is a big thing. Um, because like Eli has said, without herd immunity, essentially what we are doing when it comes to vaccination is basically moot. So until the day we achieve enough herd immunity to stamp out COVID-19, it's going to be a reality for all of us um, who are alive today. So, um, so that's what COVAX is. Its job is to ensure that the equitable access to COVID-19 vaccines. Now, let's focus on the people who are involved in COVAX. So the first guys are Gavi. So who are Gavi? So Gavi are a public-private global health partnership whose goal is to access immunization in poor countries. Now, most people would think that the problem of immunization has been something that has been protracted by the coronavirus pandemic. But you'll know that we've had, <laughs> especially for low- and middle-income countries, we've had huge, huge issues um, when it comes to vaccination. Um, Gavi proudly states that it's vaccinated over, I think the number is, if you ask me, quite interesting. Um, Gavi said that as at December 2019, 640 million children in low-income and middle-income countries had been vaccinated through their activities. And the number of lives they have saved is 9 million lives. That's ridiculous. That's a very, very, very crazy statistic. Another interesting statistic that I found in a, in a report um, is that 5.11, I'll link the reference in the video below, it'll pop up here. Um, so 5.11% of development assistance for health comes from Gavi. Development assistance for health is basically what, um, is basically what developed countries get when it comes to assistance for healthcare in their economies. So a whopping 5.11% of that comes from one institution, which is Gavi. So now the question becomes, who are Gavi? And why are they so important? So basically what Gavi is, is it's basically an organization that brings together developing country and donor governments. The World Health Organization, the United Nations um, UNICEF um, for children, the Fund for Children, the World Bank, the civil society and one of the most important players are the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. <laughs> this is why this is why you'll see that Bill Gates has been essentially the face of um, COVID-19 vaccination. These guys have been at this game since 2000. And here's something, an interesting innovation that Gavi is single-handedly, um, kind of single-handedly spearheaded. So um, I wouldn't say single-handedly actually, but they really, really like contributed a lot to, if you're Kenyan, this is very important to you as well. There's a vaccine called a pentavalent vaccine, which is a five-in-one vaccine with five individual vaccines combined into one. So it, it, it vaccinates against diphtheria, tetanus, whooping cough, hepatitis B, and hemophilias influenza type B. We need a professional here to <laughs> explain those terms. But that pentavalent vaccine has gone a long way in... Um, 
in like vaccinating has gone a long way in during 2013 um it went a long long way in um, ensuring vaccination for children because essentially um, children do suffer from these specific diseases and they had a very high mortality rate until this vaccine was introduced this is around um 2000 and um, 13, I think, and the, in, during the 2000s, um, early 2000s. So Gavi has played a huge role in ensuring that healthcare for children is something that, um, vaccination for children is something that is important. Now, so that's Gavi. Um, I've introduced it to the best of my ability. If anyone wants to reach out to us and give us more information on this um, very interesting company, um, please do. Now, the other company you need to think about, Eli, when you're talking about COVAX is CEPI. Who, if you ask me, these guys are living in the future like these are guys who yeah. were living in yeah. the future when you when you read the when you read um when you read kind of the material that they have out on um, um epidemiology and how they they're thinking around epidemics and how it could affect the world right now what we are experiencing is something that they essentially foretold um so basically yeah, yeah. um the coalition for epidemic preparedness innovations um which that is sepi is was is based in oslo was launched at Davos in 2017 as a result of a consensus that a coordinated international and intergovernmental plan was needed to develop and deploy new vaccines to prevent future pandemics. So essentially what they were saying is in the event something that COVID-19 happens, this is in 2017, this is five, is it five years ago, I think, four years ago, sorry, this is four years ago. So what they were saying is there, there is a chance that a situation like the COVID-19 virus that we're experiencing today could happen. And they did it quietly <laughs> um, in Davos, mm. and they have certain approaches that I found to be very, very interesting. So what CEPI does is that they have, uh, they are basically the guys who with the plan when it comes to the creation of vaccines so that we can have, um, they, they are basically a preventative measure against future pandemics. Now, so the approach is something I found interesting that I think everyone can um, kind of understand when just from the reading of their material. The first approach is the just-in-case approach. So basically, they have investigational vaccine stockpiles. So they basically have stockpiles of probable pandemic. They create vaccines um, that could be very, very important in the event of certain pandemics happening. So they do the research, and then they have a just-in-case approach. So they have certain vaccines stockpiled in the event that in the event of pandemics coming from certain pathogens that's the first approach that they, they have that i found interesting um, then they find they fund new and innovative platform technologies with the potential to accelerate the development and manufacture of vaccines against previously unknown pathogens so from them they say within 16 weeks from identification of the antigen to product release for clinical trials so these guys have a timeline of 16 weeks. When a new pathogen is discovered and there's a new and innovative platform which can accelerate the development of these new vaccines that inhibit um, the growth or the, inhibit the growth of these pathogens throughout the human race, they fund that. So basically they put cash into those new platforms so that they can ensure basically the security of like human, the, the healthcare of human beings. And then... The third um, approach that's very interesting is that they coordinate, they coordinate activities to improve our collective response. Basically, you'll find that epidemics are run on a time basis. So every second is crucial when it comes to an epidemic. So CEPI in 2017 came up with a pipeline 
through which they can support and coordinate activities that improve government response, um, multilateral response through um, state and government agencies, our reaction to um, epidemics when, as and when they arise. So this is 2017 that they were saying these things. Um, so basically, CEPI and Gavi and the World Health Organization are essentially what represent the cracks of COVAX. Um, there's a lot more interesting stuff when it comes to CEPI because I found that very interesting um, because essentially this is, this is innovation in real time. Um, so um, that's kind of my introduction to those pieces of the puzzle. So when you want to understand yeah. um, the question of vaccination, um, start with especially COVID-19, understand what ACTA is, understand what it does and why it's important. Understand the roles of the World Health Organization and why that is important. Understand who um, COVAX essentially are and how the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation through their donations have been facilitating funding um, for this specific aspect for years and it's been going on relatively quietly. Um, so yeah, that's the first yeah. basis. So Eli, um, yeah. I don't know what your thoughts yeah. are on that. So I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, so that's, uh, I, I hope guys have taken that information in because it's, it's so important to understand how these pieces sort of come together. Yeah. Um, and I think you've explained it very well. Um, and so I think what I'm going to take from that is I'm going to dive into what COVAX is because you mentioned how those pillars are so essential. And through those, those, uh, those Gavi, through CEPI, through WHO, that's how we've now come to this new uh, access portal, which is COVAX. Um, and I think that's the next step of this conversation. So when I'm talking, referencing to Gavi and CEPI, Oscar's very well, very nicely put what these guys are and why they're important. So now when we're talking about COVAX, you realize how these pieces are coming together. And that's now gonna come to give us a snapshot of the globe right now in terms of vaccinations and then the Kenyan context in more detail, which Oscar is going to go into. Yeah. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying this so far, by the way. I hope it's not too, uh, not too heavy, but it's, it is important <laughs> because you watch the news, you watch the news, you're hearing all these buzzwords. It's very important to understand where this is coming from. Um, so if we're going to ask ourselves, like I think you've mentioned the basics of what uh, COVAX is uh, very nicely, but how did it sort of come, come to be, right? Um, how did it sort of come to be? Um, so like Oscar's mentioned, these institutions, these bodies, they are all in the interest of solving the world's problem when it comes to viruses. So what we found at the start in last year, when sort of COVID broke out, everyone read about COVID. And the question that was always in the headlines is, when are we going to get vaccinations? When are, what's happening with the development of uh, vaccinations? Because the reason we get back to everyone hearing the new normal is when people have vaccinations, right? And so what happened is when that rush around the world happened that we need to vaccinate the population of our country and our globe, there were institutions which we've all heard of now, which is Pfizer, Moderna and um, AstraZeneca. Moderna. These were the main, yeah, yeah. These were the main parties that were producing these vaccines. So naturally there was a scramble for them and like happens in every single pandemic or every single world issue the richer countries they now start they had more resource right so the richer countries said we need to vaccinate our populations as soon as possible so essentially they came with uh, government money and then they went to these these manufacturers and they said we want to give you a few billion here a few billion there to help you develop these vaccines in exchange when these vaccines go through the proper um proper phases of testing through the who etc we want a certain amount because we've given you this this money. 
Um, what that meant through then these these are called bilateral deals when a government now deals with a, a business independently. Now, basically, when that happens, it means that a large percentage of those vaccines that are produced went straight to these countries, and that's now why you're seeing in different uh, areas in the world a year on. Some people have vaccination shots, some people don't. That's how we've come to, to this stage. So COVAX basically looked at this and they said that this kind of distribution is not fair. It's not fair if we want to achieve global and herd, remember the first bit of the conversation, herd uh, immunization, right? So basically what they did is they got all these countries to sign up and basically say that now in, for, to better the distribution of these vaccinations, it's going to be a case that COVAX will now be the ones that you give the money to and then we pay out to these um, these manufacturers and then they're now going to give it to us and then we distribute around the world. Why that's important is because people like the US, um, I think it starts with Canada, the highest uh, that bought the most vaccine vaccination doses. They've bought five times the, ma- the amount that they need for their country. Let's just deep that five. They can vaccinate their population five times over. Right. I believe in uh, the UK, they can vaccinate their, co- their population three times over. Now we're starting to see the trend of why people have got vaccines and why people don't. And I think in the US, they can vaccinate themselves twice over. Now, the reason that they can do that is because when now these bilateral deals happened, they spread their risk. So they said, we're not going to put all our money in AstraZeneca. We're going to put a few billion here. We're going to put a few billion there. Whichever one gets approved first, we take. So their money still held there of AstraZeneca because in some places it's not been, um, uh, it's not it's not sort of qualified for those those things to be able to now give it to a population. But now when Pfizer comes, they have enough to distribute, right? So um, Covax has basically said that they want to take away this monopoly, um, where the where the rich countries have given given the money. So I think hundred and eighty countries are involved at the moment, and the goal of Covax is to uh, initiate. 2 billion doses this year to poorer countries, right? Uh, essentially making that they can give about, they can vaccinate about 27% of the populations of these uh, low, low and uh, middle income countries, which will vaccinate the vulnerable people and the key workers, right? So that's now what, COVID, what COVAX is trying, is trying to do. Um, now, the issue, the issue that arises is they said to these countries, yes, sign up for COVAX, and they're going to do that. So America said, yes, we'll sign up, we'll give you all this money, but they want to have their cake and eat it. They're saying, yes, but our bilateral deals that happened before COVAX still stands. So yes, they've, this, is, this now begs the question, why have you signed up then? Because you basically said, yes, we're going to be, we're all for equal distribution, but we're not going to change the deal that we made before that. We're still going to vaccinate our population and hold on to this. We saw this happen with swine flu, where I think the same thing happened. They hoarded these vaccinations when they realised it, and then they pledged to give these vaccinations to other countries. Um, but then when they realized swine, they hold on to that until they realized swine flu was not that bad. Then they said, okay, yeah, we can now give out the, we can now give out these doses. So essentially COVAX is a very good initiative because it's responded, right? But then you beg the question, have they responded too late? Because in my opinion, this is just my opinion, which can be wrong. I think COVAX is fantastic. It's going to work to a level. I think the targets they've hit are quite ambitious. It's going to work to a certain level but it's going to work for the next pandemic better. This pandemic, they kind of missed the boat because these bilateral deals that I've mentioned had already been cut. So we've seen, I think, I'm trying to find the stats on here. I think it was something like I, 96%. I have, I have yeah. I think it was 96% of the, of the vaccinations uh, were bought up already. Like they were already bought up before distribution. 
So now we find ourselves somewhere like Kenya and somewhere like South Africa, we're sat there thinking, okay, um, there's vaccines in the world, but we can't even get access to them. I think South Africa has paid, has bought enough for 70% of their population, but they're not going to get their vaccines until much later because they came in, not at the manufacturing point, at slightly late, later in the development of these, of these vaccines. And now the reason this monopoly happens is because the countries that have done that, they just have that, imu- that much disposable resource to be able to put that amount of budget behind that, where some countries don't have that much money to take those risks because they need it for other situations. Um, uh, when we're talking on the phone, I said, I don't want to go down this road, but um, you now ask yourself the question, why are these countries so much richer than other countries? Because if we talk about things like resource, talk about things like where did that money come from, you'll find that it's one globe. So the unequal distribution even of wealth is usually at the expense of the same countries that are struggling to be able to put money up because they're paying these other countries. If you look somewhere like Congo and France, they're paying these other countries reparations and things still for colonization. But that's a whole another topic, right? They're paying billions to these countries. Now the countries use their billions and then there's now an unequal distribution of, of vaccines. We see the same parallel and the same phenomenon with food security around the world. Right, these are different topics, but we're seeing parallels here where essentially everyone says we're a globe, everyone says we're together when it's convenient. But when it's at the expense of your population, or when it's at the expense of your political standings, you want to have that monopoly, right? Um, so COVAX is fantastic. That's essentially what it is. That's how it sort of came about. Um, the interesting thing with if COVAX works is that when what you find in just on a public health standpoint, when the and I think we've heard this term a lot, and I think you like this quote is like we're not safe until um, all of us are safe. What yeah. and what that quote basically means is that if, for instance, you're and we've seen this very, very literally in the last few months, if somewhere like America, somewhere like the UK vaccinates their population, but they're leaving they're leaving out places like India, they're leaving out places like Nepal, then you're going to find that people there's a globalization. So those variants are going to develop over there because they're not vaccinated, like we talked about, it can mutate, right? So a virus mutates. So you'll find that in India, so many people haven't been vaccinated, the vaccine gets, the, the virus gets stronger and it mutates to something harder now to vaccinate against. So it's kind of counterproductive to just vaccinate your population because no man is an island on this globe, to vaccinate your population and then in another place in the world, the variants are, 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 are mutating and then you're going to get find another problem where now you've got a new variant that we're always hearing, the Indian variant, which I have a problem with the branding anyway. But um, I'm going to find these new variants in your, in, your, in, your, in your country. So COVAX is basically trying to take away the monopoly so that we achieve global immunisation because that reduces variants and that creates a more equitable uh, environment for health. Now, um, yeah, now yeah. Um, I, I, I was reading the documents from um, basically describing the COVAX facility. And you'll see that mm. they expressly say, as in this is in black and white. They're saying, um, and because they're calling it an investment opportunity, okay? So they're mm. calling it an insurance policy for some governments. Um, mm. uh, it's an insurance policy to ensure that, um, to ensure that you know, countries are able to access these, um, these vaccines. And one mm. interesting statistic that I also read is as at 30th November 2020, more than 10 billion do- 30th November. So as a, more than 10 billion doses of vaccines against um, COVID-19 had been pre-ordered, with 20, all 27 member states of the European Union 
together with five other rich countries having pre-ordered about half of it. Now, mm. having done made those pre-orders, having made those pre-orders, um, they've pre-ordered half of it, and in the contracts they have options written in to order extra doses, and there are still um, negotiations that were ongoing at that time that were not yet disclosed. So those 27 countries plus the five member states account for only 13% of the global population. What that essentially means is that short-term supplies for low- and middle-income countries have now been dwindling. So that means that for COVAX being an insurance policy for these wealthy countries, for us countries that are developed, like for me who lives in a third-world country, um, COVAX is a lifeline. And I'm going to show you how important the COVAX vaccination has been for Kenya. Um, um, I think now is actually the best time to get into what has, where has Kenya's um, basically COVID-19 supply been coming from. So um, uh, the Cabinet Secretary um, of Ministry of Health, um, his, um, um, Mutai, his um, Honorable Mutai Kagwe, uh, stated that there are three, in, I'll, link the, I'll link the reference um, below, stated that there are three, essentially in a public statement, stated that there are three sources through which Kenyans are getting um, co the COVID-19 vaccine into the country. The first one is through government-to-government -government donations. So basically those, and I don't think that's why Gavi was made. Um, Gavi was meant to ensure widespread, um, widespread, um, uh, widespread and equitable. When you say the word equitable, equitable means that there is a sense of, you know, there's a sense of equality. There's a sense of, there's a sense of um, proportional allocation uh, when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccines. So for us de developing countries, if today is June 20, 2021 and only 1 million Kenyans out of a population of 50 million have been vaccinated, only 1,386 have been vaccinated, there's no way you can come and tell me that these vaccines have been distributed equitably. But we'll get into that. Um, so for Kenya... Government to government, um, government to government uh, donations is what we've relied on. Recently, we had 100,000 doses donated to us by the government of India. Then we had the COVAX facility, which is the bulk of where our vaccination doses are coming from. Because, you, like I said, and like you've rightly explained, um, for these governments, like you've rightly said, from a supply chain perspective, they already had bilateral agreements with the individual manufacturers. So for them, the COVAX facility is not a lifeline. It's not... It's not essential for their population. But for us who are in these developing countries, the COVAX facility is. And you see statistically, the COVAX facility has given us 1.1 million doses. 1.1 million doses are what have come to Kenya through the COVID facility. I mean, through the COVAX facility. Um, and that is essentially what has immunized the bulk of our population. Our population is still waiting to receive more vaccines. Um, if you look at media reports... Um, there has been a shortage because um, I think there's been a processing shortage um, that's been going on when it comes to the COVID-19 um, vaccine. So basically he said the government of India, um, bilateral agreements which are from government to government through government donations, COVID, um, the COVAX facility which now statistically has been giving us most of our vaccines, and the African Union facility which we are yet to um, implement. So when we talk about the African Union, that is another key player for Africans. The African Union is essentially the coalition of governments um, for, um, that is meant to further regional development in Africa. So the African Union have um, the African Center for Disease Control, which is meant to track, um, it's meant to track 
diagnose and assist um, Africans and member states of the African Union in the tracking and, and how can I put this? The Africa Center for Disease Control is actually meant to, let me Google it. I mean, why, why struggle? Let me Google it. My laptop is right in front of me. So basically what Africa CDC does, um, I want the exact definition, guys, so that we don't deviate even a bit. So basically, the African Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is a public health agency that supports the public health initiatives of member states and strengthens their capacity uh, of their health institutions to deal with disease threats. That's like the general understanding. So it's meant to capacity build health institutions in member states in order to go through um, viruses such as this. And one of their big, big, big um, initiatives has been the Africa Medical Supplies um, Platform. So it unlocks immediate access to an African and global base of vetted manufacturers and procurement strategic partners, which enable EU member states to purchase, um, you know, um, equipment, PPEs, um, and medical equipment such as PPEs, and to, to also purchase the vaccine. So it's a platform through which African member states can purchase the vaccines through vetted manufacturers and strategic partners. Now, of those strategic partners, you'll find an another name that has been said a lot, the Bill and Man Melinda Gates Foundation. Hmm. Okay, so you'll see it there also. And then you'll also find that hmm. there is um, another strategic partners. I'm sure we all had uh, um, that rumor going around about uh, vaccines being at the airport and not being collected. Um, Alibaba is one of the strategic partners for um, the Alibaba Foundation um, is also another one that is a strategic partner of the African um, medical supplies platform. So Kenya gets its vaccines in those three ways. Um, there are certain unique issues that you have to think about when it comes to vaccination, um, COVID-19 vaccines and the supply chain around that. Um, so I wanted to understand when I was doing the research for this specific topic, I wanted to understand perhaps the problem that we are having is that there are certain unique aspects of the COVID-19 vaccine that is hindering the, basically the distribution of vaccines across African countries. As you can imagine, we are a tropical country. So, <clears throat> so obviously there are certain um, hindrances when it comes to that. So first, before I even get into kind of the supply chain, um, and the unique problems that are there. What I was reading for that uh, um, is the COVID-19 vaccination supply and logistics guidance, um, interim guidance, which was published on 12th February 2021 by the World Health Organization and UNICEF. I suggest that everybody go and read it. And ex expressly, just like we had supposed, supply chain readiness, what verbatim, is key to effect efficiently deploying COVID-19 vaccines to the target populations in line with defined vaccination strategies. So it's very, very essential that your supply chain as a government is ready to deploy these vaccines across your population. Otherwise, in very many instances, it might not necessarily be effective. Um, one of the th things that I found very, very interesting um, is that as at January 2021, over 200 novel coronavirus uh, vaccine candidates are under development, um, of which 64 are in clinical trials. So basically, as at today, um, when we're thinking about supply chain readiness, we have to ask ourselves how many vaccines could there potentially be so that we can supply these vaccines across our population to ensure that we achieve herd immunity like Elite has said. So the number that is there as at January 2021, according to that um, article, is 200 novel 
you know, vaccine candidates which were under development. And 64 had advanced to clinical trials. Um, so if you want to track that in your own time, you can check out the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. So it has an interactive tool that tracks the progress of these candidates' vaccines so that you can kind of find out that, you know, maybe it's not just AstraZeneca, Pfizer, and Moderna that will be there. Um, maybe there are others that will be coming in. So that's just um, a nice point to, like, chew on um, as we go through kind of the supply chain readiness and how certain unique aspects of the vaccine could affect us. One of the unique, unique aspects is that within those vaccines that have been developed, there are certain vaccines that have an ultra-low ultra temperature cold chain profile. So that means that these vaccines require to be stored in very, very low temperatures. So, um, so they require ultra-low temperature facility storage temperatures, which is between negative 70 degrees or negative 10 degrees. And so one of the recommendations of that program, because we're in a tropical country, Kenya is tropical, so they said that you need the, you need, we need to leverage the ability of logistic service providers, whether they're national, regional, or global, to support the deployment plan. So basically, it is important to tender out um, certain, these cold facilities so that we can be able to achieve that widespread development. So the tendering process, the tendering process is essential to ensure that there's widespread vaccination. Another thing that was a unique risk that I read is that initial budget, batches of COVID-19 vaccines, for example, the 1.1 million that we got, may be scarce and with a short shelf life. This is expressed um, in that report. Some vaccines, um, so, some of these vaccines might not have um, monitors and there might be a shortage of cold chain equipment. So it is very, very important for each supply chain to be particularly rigorous and efficient. Okay, another important thing is that these vaccines, um, we saw, again, the Minister of Health made a very public statement saying that some people might be vaccinated by water. Or there's also, he made this, he actually said this um, on TV, that some Kenyans might actually be vaccinated by fake, um, you know, by fake vaccines. And so to do that, he was discouraging illegal vaccination. So traceability of vaccines is also an important element of the vaccination supply chain and the supply chain readiness for, um, for countries like, like Kenya. Now, like you've seen, procurement is an essential part of vaccination. It is, like I've read, um, it's, that's a UN report. This is not an opinion. Um, it's a UN report, we're going to footnote it here. So the procurement process is an essential part of the vaccination process when it comes to having, ensuring that your population is well vaccinated and that the vaccine strategy is, is working. I hope we have established that fact. Now, the question now arises, how effective has procurement been in the Republic of Kenya so that we can be able to achieve this vaccination? That's the question, right? How effective, is, how effective is the procurement process when it comes to vaccination in Kenya? Now, you will be pleased to know that procurement and corruption are the biggest, one of the biggest hurdles that Kenya has had to face. I don't need, we, this is not something that is for debate, but procurement is a big, big, big part of why um, corruption is rife in Kenya. And we thank God that um, we have policies in place, we have laws and regulations that have been put in place by, um, but have been put in place by parliament to ensure that, that, that corruption or pure procurement processes do not undertake this, do not happen in Kenya. Now that's, that's now leads me on to the next thing, um, which is 
another piece of information I discovered when I was doing more research, uh, where the Office of the Auditor General, so basically, Eli, for your benefit, the Auditor General is basically the government accountant. Um, he is the one who looks at each, um, his role is to look at each state agency and to look at the financial ongoings of each state agency and to audit them and to ensure that they are in line with the laws and regulations that are in place. The transactions in government take place in accordance with the laws that are in place. So these laws, um, just to off of the top of my head, there are certain laws that are really, really essential when you want to understand government procurement. The first law is the public procurement, um, the PPDA, which is Asset Disposal Act. Um, the Pro Public Procurement um, and Disposal Act, which is meant to give guidelines to government and state agencies as to how exactly to procure goods and services um, from members of the public and how to dispose of government assets um, from um, public to private, uh, turning assets from public to private um, ownership. So basically, the procurement process is governed by the Public Procurement um, and Dispo uh, the uh, Disposal Act, which is the PPDA 2015. Then the second one is called the Public Finance Management Act of 20, um, 2012. So the Public Finance Management Act, what that does is it essentially gives guidelines on how government finances are transacted by state agencies. So basically the preparation of budgets, um, accounting officers, and how they use those monies within those state agencies, all that is overseen by um, the Public Finance Management Act. And it is very important that when there are budgetary allocations for money to go towards certain activities or certain projects, that those that these law, that that law, the Public Finance Management Act, is um, applied um, correctly. And then there is an overriding policy for um, procurement that Kenya really, really takes to heart, which is value for money. Because of the the scandal that has been around procurement in Kenya, value for money has been an essential component in the sense that when you buy something. Uh, when you spend government funds, there must be a proportional aspect of value for that which you have spent government funds for. In essence, that is what value for money is. And this is something that the government takes very, very seriously. And the Office of the Auditor General takes it very, very seriously. So in an audit report on the utilization right of COVID-19 funds... How well, how well have they typically in the, far, in the past worked all together? This is not so, the first time, obviously, they've worked together. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, and typically, how yeah. has that worked in other... So, essentially, you could say that, yes, there's been a lot of reports reported, um, because these are relatively new legislations, 2012, 2015. So, the way they function is largely to highlight um, what they are doing right now is flagging a lot of the irregularities that have been there. Because, like I said, Kenya has had a very, very dark history of corruption. And these regulations are only now shining a light on how deep these problems are. Um, mm -hmm. So all the function of regulation as it is right now in Kenya is to correct and protect. Um, and it's been doing that. So I'm going, this audit report from the um, Auditor General really, really helps. So they did recently, as there was obviously, I'm sure everyone read about the KEMSA scandal, which is the Ken Kenya Medical Supplies Authority. So um, another government body which has a responsibility of supplying uh, medical, uh, medical equipment and medical facilities for the benefit of the, of the Kenyan Republic and for the benefit of Kenyan citizens. Um, that is actually a, um, a state corporation that has been formed as such um, and is meant to carry out that mandate. So the, the Auditor General actually, um, the Auditor General actually, through the request of Parliament, did a special audit on the Kenya Medical Supplies Authority because of allegations that 
certain procurement, like I said, procurement is a very, very important part mm. of um, supply chain readiness, which is procurement is a very, very essential part of how Kenyans can get vaccinated on the vaccination process for Kenyans. So basically the supply chain, the, the under, so basically the auditor general was given instructions by parliament to audit basically um, the Kenya Medical Supplies Authority and certain transactions to confirm or whether the premise whether that there were irregularities in the procurement process and um, that was there um, in the purchase of COVID-19 supplies. So this is face masks, um, gloves and, and, and other goods. And I, it's a very long report. Does it's it, available does it, online. Does it I encourage all of you to read well? it line by line. So does it include vaccination? Vaccines as well. Yeah, do they also mm. audit the vaccines? Or is it more no, public that's a good question. Uh, resource? That's a mm. good question. That's a good question. I didn't, I, do I want to open that can of worms and actually read and confirm whether the actual vaccines were... So let me read, because there's, like a, lot a, of, yes, there's yes. a lot of... Um, yeah. There's a lot of... Uh, that were, there's a lot of... Really there's a lot of goods that were yeah. meant to be supplied. So yeah. what I'm seeing is plain tubes, Vortex mixers, COVID-19 HPTs, um, there's a lot. There's basically, Eli, I don't think mm. that it's wise for us to actually get into it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Oscar, so you basically, you've basically said to us that, you know, there's these bodies within government um, that you've said potentially, and this is just potentially, might have been compromised in terms of distribution of essential PPEs, which you said are protective things for the um, population. So that basically speaks to the 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 prevention of the spread was already compromised so that means that our spread was maybe higher because we didn't have that protective those protective things given to us how they're supposed to and so i wanted to find out does it relate to the vaccine or was it specifically for the yeah for the ppe that, that, that's a good question because essentially yes the question is okay how does this relate to vaccines it just shows the, that there's a huge gap when it comes to our supply chain and its readiness because it essentially shows that if, if government could be compromised, if the if CAMSA was compromised in the supply of PPEs, then who's to say that it won't be compromised in the sense of supply of vaccines? Exactly. You yeah. get what I mean? Okay. So like basically from a supply chain readiness perspective, that's a huge problem. So there it is, mm. guys. So um, um, mm. the, there was also, I remember there was also an order by uh, the president where he re reconstituted the entire board because I'm sure even he was mm. left at a loss for words. Because he's wondering, mm. surely we can't be stealing PPEs from Kenyan citizens. We can't be yeah. having supply chain breakdowns. Um, we can't mm. be having a supply chain breakdown in, in, in at a time as crucial as this. So I remember he reconstituted mm. the, the CAMSA board. Um, the reasons are still yeah, unknown yeah. to me, but uh, I don't know why he did that. Mm. So yeah, that's kind of the reality, guys, as to what the situation is um, as per our research. We're always happy to um, have professionals come on board mm, and well, discuss mm, with us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Oscar, no. Um, so I know you've you've now talked about the Kenyan context, and the a question that a lot of people are going to ask now in the interest of time, I'll be very brief. Is okay. So there's all these issues on a global scale. There's some issues with PPEs, like you mentioned, within the country. Now, when we're coming to the stage of 2021 that we are, and the question is, why can't we just make our own vaccines? If there's okay. an issue globally for the distribution, Covax might not be as effective, like we've mentioned. Why can't we just make our own? Right. I think this is very important for us to quickly cover in the next maybe four or five minutes. Um. In the interest of time, I'll go very quickly. So basically, uh, that question has been asked a lot. And it's the question in the last few weeks, and the last few months, that the global community is asking, as well as 
um, local community, right? So um, essentially, there's been a lot of issues around, like, and that's why it speaks to what you've mentioned, the supply chain, because that's been one of the factors that has been brought to the, fair, the, the front when it said, okay, if we can make our own, do we have supply chain readiness to distribute it? Um, so basically, um, there's, there's TRIP and there's World uh, Trade Organization, right? And so these are the two bodies that are going to be um, like tackling this potential uh, uh, access uh, solution for, for a vaccine to be made within countries, right? So um, within, within TRIP, it basically TRIP is the, world, is the trade-related aspects of intellectual property rights. Yeah. Uh, organization and world trade organization as well right so trip basically there's been pressure from i think south africa and india mostly saying that at the moment the reason that people can't just go and make the same vaccines is that there's a lot of uh ip behind it and you can't just go and replicate that because the pharmaceutical countries that countries companies that made the vaccines they have the rights to the knowledge and to the how these vaccines can be made so basically, within within trip, there's there's aspects of that that say that you can't just give out that information. So that's now a barrier to say, say someone like Kenya opening factory and just starting because they need that approval, right? So people have been saying, how are we putting that at the forefront and having that as a barrier to solving a pandemic that's killing people, right? So that's been that's been one of the things. Why can't we take away those waivers? And one of the things they've said is that even if the waivers even if they waive the IP and these countries can now produce these vaccines, the problems we're finding is that it's going to now discourage, and these are arguments that I find personally quite ridiculous. Uh, they're saying that if now we give out the waivers, it's going to now discourage, discourage further R&D from these pharmaceutical industries to now put money in and then develop these, these vaccines to now distribute because the incentive's gone, because there's no monopolies again, right? So we're coming into now a soft power conversation. Um, and also it's saying that, now, like you're talking about supply chain readiness in different countries, that um, it's going to take a lot of time to set up those supply chains to be effective. You've mentioned temperatures, etc. It's going to set up, take a long time to set up those supply chains. And also it's going to take up resource and time, which apparently we don't have. Right. And there's, so if we're going to break it down, I would love to go into more. But if we're going to break it down, basically they're saying it's so complex to make a vaccine. It's going to take too much time for us to even give you the information. For these vaccines but what i when i read that i basically thought okay if we remember at the start of the pandemic when we were rushing to make a vaccine we we're basically saying that we've made it in record time so from development those bilateral deals when they were researching and developing they managed to do that in such a short amount of time it begs the question why can't that same kind of effectiveness be done if you've already got the knowledge now because the hardest part is researching and developing it so that's basically their, their, their argument at the moment. So the World Health Organization tried to make something called CTAP, which is the global, is the COVID technology access pool, which is to share now to create that initiative. We've said that WHO are the ones in charge of all this to create that kind of access pool so that these countries can now sign up, come together and distribute that. And not one of these manufacturers have signed up to that. So make of that what you will, not one of them have signed up. So basically they're saying we don't want to give away our information that's that's in short what they're saying um and we've talked about in one of the key players why every time you've mentioned bill gates I've, I've he's one of the key people saying that we shouldn't give out this ip and he's supposed to be the one helping this vaccination these are the questions that we should be raising when we're thinking why don't i have my vaccine why is there not conversations around vaccines being made locally right um so just to finalize the whole topic i think we can ask ourselves you know where where do we go from there is there any like hope because the picture we painted is a bit bleak. Uh, it's a bit bleak. The only hope that I've seen in the last, 
I think week, maybe when this drops, it's a few more weeks, is um, there was a conference with WTO, World Health Organization and IMF, right? Um, and essentially, we've talked about how globalization, we need each other to be able to firstly get healthy, but also we need each other to make money, right? Um, if we're just breaking it down in an elementary sense. So the only hope I've seen is from the MD of the IMF, uh, Christolia Galoli, Georgina or something. I, I, I can't remember the name exactly. Yeah. But basically, she said that she looked at the picture and she said that IMF are very invested in COVID because economic, um, econ- two-track economic recovery and is bad for global e- economy because it become, if it's a two-track pandemic, it's a two-track economic recovery from this this vaccine this uh this epidemic right essentially may meaning that the slower we we solve this problem the slower the economic the the economy of the world comes back to where it was so what they've basically pledged is uh 50 billion uh dollars in a three-phase plan wait 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 wait, wait wait you you you're, you're talking yeah. about someone who's about to pledge 50 billion forgetting her name her name is Kristalina georgieva we, we africans can pronounce Kristalina. say Kristalina. Georgieva. Georgieva. Yeah. 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 So the point Georgieva. is, um, Georgieva. So, Georgieva. 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 Basically, the M- managing director of the IMF, right? Yeah, yeah. So essentially, they, the IMF have said that because they can see that they need this for the economy to recover, the 50 billion three-phase plan is to try to vaccinate 40% of the population by 2021 and 60% by 2022. And in the first five minutes, we said that we need 70% to create the what the herd immunity that we talked about at the beginning, right? We need 70% so the world can go back to normal because even no man's an island, we've talked about all of that. So essentially, her plan is to um, increase the COVAX vaccine uh, donation pool with this money and the surplus donations from these countries that basically hoarded, like Canada, America and the UK, to distribute that through this 50, 50 million by creating incentive and then also prevent downward risk of the variants because we've said that if you don't vaccinate everyone, variants occur, right? So um, they wanted to invest in production capacity, like you talked about supply chain, I've talked about why can't we just make our own? So they want to invest in that to create at least a billion doses, right? Um, and then diversify production. So you've got people like the IMF basically saying, we look at the money and if we want to all make money again, we need to be investing in these pools and in these, in these areas of the, the response to COVID, right? Um, and then obviously increase public health practice, like the PPEs that we've mentioned, because she said that it works, and if it works, let's double down on it and invest more in there, right? Another pu- another player in that conversation was uh, Dr. Ngozi, right? That one I'll pronounce, because she's a mama, but she's the Director General of the WTO. <laughs> so um, essentially the, the, the three fronts that she said, and this is, this is why I'm saying there's good news, because these people in these very important positions are saying the opposite to what these independent institutions are saying and these governments, right? Um, basically, she said that they want to deliver on three fronts, which is free up supply chains of raw material and vaccines, which speaks to your point. We'll talk about the, the supply chain things and then work on the man- with, ma- with manufacturers to expand and build new, uh, build, build new vaccines and to promote the transfer of technology, which speaks to the IP waivers, right? So basically, all of these parties coming together um, and the WTO being in charge of the IP and everything, it's looking like if this is now the kind of approach we're having towards COVID, there might be a chance that you're going to see maybe in Kenya, there's a factory built and we can start supplying ourselves, right? 
And now it, the next question would be about the supply chains that you've mentioned. Would the same thing happen with the vaccines? We can't go into that because of time. But I wanted to leave on a, a kind of high. Yes, the question we asked is, why haven't we been vaccinated? The question is, can we be vaccinated? And my opinion is with these people like Dr. Ngozi and uh, the MD for IMF, with these people having the right... Kristalina Georgieva. Kristalina Georgieva. With these people having the right approach to vaccination, saying that we need to take away the monopoly, with COVAX coming into play, we might see an even distribution of resource when it comes to maybe the next pandemic especially. But the hope is... Yes, they've said 2023. The hope is if they manage to hit these goals um, with the free flays 50 billion plan, then 40% of the population might be vaccinated by 20, the end of 2021 and hopefully 60% by 2022, which at least takes care of the vulnerable people because that's about 27% and it at least takes care of the key workers. So there is hope. Even though I'm here and you're, there is hope. Nah, that don't tell, don't tell me that nonsense. Don't tell no, me that nonsense. No, with these factors coming into play, we have to factors coming into play, Oscar. Gu- guys, guys, this, this is this is what this is now. If you if you think African youth and African youth leaders are going to forget this, this is not going to be easily forgotten. This is a literal yeah. example. No, this is a literal mm. example of what it means to come from a third world country. You know, we've always been singing GDP per capita, but Eli literally had to f- take a plane to get vaccinated. He's nearly done, and I still haven't had my first shots. That's like mm. if. It's starting to become very clear that there is a there might be a world order, and Africans might be at the brunt of it. So Africans are going to need to start demanding more from this world for what is given, for what is taken from them. It's time for Africa to stand up. And it's up not and a new phenomenon. Yeah, it's and it's not, not a new phenomenon. phenomenon. I think we're exhausted yeah. with yeah. being at the bottom of the barrel uh, with no, this. Kind of yeah, because this lives. is yeah. This not it's it's the it's the most clear it's the most clear indication. Eli is literally. Literally, Eli and I are, lit- are very close, but we've had to make ad- we've had to make adjustments so that we can uh, we can be able to just you know have this shoot. Even in this shoot, we've had to make adjustments because Eli needed to have his vaccine, and we have uh, also mm-hmm. wanted to have a vaccine. But in Kenya, it was not a reality that could be achieved. So this is how mm-hmm. businesses and people are affected. If you're wondering why um, Africans have been feeling like third, you know that third class citizens of humanity, we need to start being really really. Um, honest with ourselves. And I, on that note, I'd want to put up the quote by, a quote by um, Antonio Gutierrez. Um, he put up a tweet that I really, really found um, to be just a clear indication of what's really going on. Um, so it goes like this. Um, we, Vaccine equity is the biggest moral test before the global community. We must ensure that everybody Everywhere can be vaccinated as soon as possible. We cannot afford to split our planet and societies into vaccine haves and have-nots. That right there, vaccine equity, is what we will remember. Because if to, as of today, only a million only a million Kenyans, less than a million Kenyans have had their first shot. This is one year into the into the into into the, the pandemic. And only one thousand Kenyans, three hundred and eighty-six have been have been um, have actually been vaccinated fully then that tells you that there's a big problem and most people will point mm. back to us as kenyans but no you'll invite us to olympics yeah we will, you'll mm. invite us to the olympics to run mm. but you will not give yeah. us the vaccines eh? okay okay yeah yeah okay yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's not yeah, been yeah, forgotten we've, defi- it's we've definitely noticed 
the, the leaders of tomorrow, the leaders of tomorrow of Africa mm. have not will not forget this. Don't think that this is yeah. going to go by and mm. as easily. We've already started mm. seeing African countries taking back their resources, seeing that they are the ones who will do yeah, the environment. Especially as we've seen we've seen we've seen Ghana doing we've it. We've seen Ghana with the, the cocoa. The funny thing, uh -huh. yeah. The funny yeah. thing is if this if this trend happens and the things I've said don't happen in terms of the, the billions wait. and stuff being donated. Yeah. Then what happens again, Oscar, is now it reverts back to an nah. endemic and then we start saying that we can't go to Africa and then trade messes up even more. So if they yeah. don't fix this, it turns into something worse. It goes back fix to it. an endemic. Fix yeah, it, because Bill. Otherwise fix it, Bill. Because otherwise we can't compete on the global scale. Mr. Bill Gates, Not fix Bill. it. I have no hope in that, man. Yeah, no. Fix it. Mm. Fix this. Because it's, it's not mm. looking pretty, guys. They said, if, mm. you know, vaccine equity. Uh, equitable, equitable distribution of vaccines. Fix it, because mm. we we are watching. Yeah, um, and we're not. Also, for I wouldn't say yeah. fix it, Oscar. Fix I it. I wouldn't say fix. I'll just. I, I would say fix the equity, but don't fix the problem for us. We need yeah, to have give our us own, the tools to fix the chain. problem. Yeah, yeah. Give us the tools and work together. Yeah, we got to work yeah. together. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, that was that was that was that was definitely a a topic we needed to discuss. In short, yeah. that's why I'm here. Uh, in short, that's why I came here. Um, but I really, I'm, I'm hopeful. And I, th I urge everyone, like Oscar said, to all, all the stuff we've talked about is available online. All the government papers he's talking about is available online. Don't wait for the TV to tell you what's happening. Go and read your own thing. Come to your own conclusion. Because some news channels are owned by individuals. So go and find your own data. Go WHO, all the people we've mentioned, go find your own data. Yeah. And, and tell us in the comments. And tell us what opinion. you think in the yeah. comments. Tell us what you think in the comments. Yeah. Um, and if there are mm -hmm. any mm -hmm. health professionals specifically who understand vaccination, who would want to reach out to us, we're very happy to like do a part two of this episode because mm -hmm. we just did yeah. a pre preliminary review. We are not... Eli is I'm a public health... Yeah. Eli yeah. is a public health professional, so we tried our best to keep it as you know clear as using the evidence in front of us so guys we really really invite the mantle community to come through and debate this issue and you know standard mm. thursdays we will be on our lives feel free to ask us the, the, this question and we'll be free to share everything that we've done um mm. the links and let us know if you like this format if you like the more academic format let us know because yeah. the tougher topics to, yeah the tougher topics let us know because we enjoy topic. it let us know if you do too Eli, that was Oscar, uh, that pleasure. was uh, that was uh, always uh, you know uh, you know uh, jab jab yeah. literally jab 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 <laughs> jab <laughs> jab jab hi <laughs> bro that was good thank you guys for watching uh, subscribe and all that good stuff and make sure like you share this video and give some inf information to other people like subscribe see you in the next episode on mantalk.ke we know what it Peace. is we know what it is we know what it is Wait till you see Come it. On. Bye. All right. Come on. Cheers. Nice.